Hey, 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 guys, it is Allison. I am the host of your show, Allison Answers Mission Awake. I cannot wait to sit down with you today and go over how we are going to crush the mediocrity in your life that has been plaguing our society since the beginning of time. I cannot wait to have a real deal conversation that includes intelligence, fun, excitement, and real actionable steps to make a real difference in the life that you're living now and making it into something you can be damn proud of and excited to live. Sit down, put on your damn seatbelt, and get ready for the ride of your life. Hello there. How are you guys today? I am right now waiting for my next guest to come in. And when this beautiful soul comes into our waiting room, I'm going to bring her in and we're going to actually do therapy. So this is the first time on the podcast that I'm going to be doing public therapy. So the public therapy will be this young woman sharing her life and her story and a particular issue or concern in her life that she really wants to transform. And there's something super valuable about having a person in front of you. So you will be witnesses to this young woman's struggle in many different areas. I'm not sure which area we're going to talk about, but we're going to dive deep. You know, she's given me permission. She's uh, given consent for uh, all of you to be onlookers in a one-time guest therapeutic session with me. I don't see clients anymore. I've been doing this for over 30 years. I run counseling centers and and supervise uh, all different therapists. But this is something that um, I'm really looking forward to because witnessing and uh, participating in her growth and hearing as an observer will give you an opportunity to see things in yourself. So I ask you take that time as you're listening to really consider how this applies to you, even if you're a different age or a different sex, or you have a different circumstance. Most of the principles of recovery and growth and change are can be applied to all different situations. So um, just sit back and if you want to take notes and try to be mindful of what comes up for you, because very often it does bring up your own things when you're observing something like this. So without any further ado, I am going to bring on my guest. Hey, 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 guys, how are you today? It is Allison from Allison Answers and Logger Counseling Services. Today, we're doing something a little different. We are going to have a therapeutic session, like a guest therapeutic session. So what that means is, for anyone who doesn't know, what I do, most of you do, but I have been a therapist for all of my adult life and I run counseling centers. And I now decided that on this podcast, which is about crushing mediocrity, it's about changing our lives and creating the life that we actually want. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to ask you to be an onlooker, a person that's an observer of someone else doing the work, the therapeutic work to learn about themselves so that they can change their lives. So what I've shared with you guys before, and it's a very important concept, what I want you to understand is that every single one of us can change our lives no matter what, okay? So we usually get duped into believing that we cannot change our lives, that we're stuck, that we're trapped, that the pattern that we're in is just never gonna end. But I can... 100% promise you that if you decide to change the way you think, if you pivot the way the from the feelings that you're addicted to from the patterns you're addicted to, you can change any aspect of your life and you can make it better. So this is the thing. The only way to do that is you have to know the truth. So what I'm going to be doing with this fine young lady is I'm going to help her to see the truth about herself, to help her to understand herself more fully, 
So what a therapist is really supposed to do, so if you're in therapy, remember this, it's an important thing to note when you're looking for a therapist, is you want someone who's going to be an expert question asker, someone who's going to seek to really understand you to the deepest part of yourself so that you can make better decisions about your life and you can change the way that you're automated and the way that you have been programmed as a child. So the guest that I have today is Michelle. I'm not going to share her last name. She doesn't care if I share her last name, but just for who knows, like 10, 15 years down the line, she'll be like, holy shit, what the hell did I do? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just covering all my bases. This is Michelle G. And I asked Michelle to come on as she's actually the first person I'm going to do therapy online with. So this is a big deal. And really, we are just going to act like you're not here. And we're going to have an honest, open conversation about whatever is troubling Michelle, any pattern in her life that she really wants to make a difference in. So welcome to the show, Michelle. I'm saying so happy that you're here. And I'm going to put on my therapist glasses so I can see her better. <laughs> so can you tell us what area of your life do you really, really want to make a shift in? What do you want to change? Forming healthy relationships, whether that's with friends or boyfriends, definitely forming healthy, long lasting relationships. Okay. Can you tell everyone how old you are? 26. 26 years old. So do you feel like you have had healthy relationships in your life? Um. For the most part, no. I have a few solid people that I could say yes, but for the most part, no. How would you define a healthy relationship? I think mutual respect for each other, a lot of honesty. Um, I'm big, especially with my age, um, the saying one thing to your face and then saying something else when you're not around to somebody else. I feel like if you can't be honest to that person, to their face, then that's kind of can lead to a lot of toxicity and miscommunication where it's if you say something talking like bad or agitated about somebody down the road, and it's like not directly to that person. And then you find out that they were talking about you. And it's just like a whole big mess. Okay, so that makes me think that that's happened to you or it's happening to you. Is that it's happened in the past? Yes. <laughs> okay, so when you so there's a few things I just want to point out. And um, this is kind of because people are listening. I want people to understand that when you say, I, I'm looking for mutual respect, what I think of, the first thing I think of is that we have to know what that actually even means. Because we use a lot of language. So you could, be, you could mean one thing about respect and I could mean something else. So when you say mm -hmm. mutual respect, um, and then you define that you want to know that the person's consistent in when they're speaking to you and when they're, when they're not with you right? Mm. Is that how you would define respect? Um, I think for me, that's at least what I've struggled with. But there are a lot of different aspects. I think especially now I have a healthy friendship. Um, my my best friend, Brittany, is like the first real healthy relationship. And my best friend, Brandon, those are really the only two friendships that I have that like, I feel like there's no judgment from them, I feel like that's kind of a big thing too. like respect is like respecting the person for who they are, you know, and nobody's perfect. So like, I respect them for all their positive and negatives, you know, like, and they accept me for all my positive and negatives, like nobody's perfect. Um, and I feel like that hasn't always been the case. You mean in your life with other people? Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you were, you were judged by others? Is Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, in to me, being accepted is one of the most important things in a relationship being understood, yeah. you know, and once once judged, it's really hard to have a good relationship with someone, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what is what was your your history? Do you have a history with friendships where where you couldn't trust that they accepted you or that they would be consistent? in what Yeah, they about I you? Mean, I have a lot of social anxiety because I got bullied when I was younger. So I feel like I'm always worrying about what people are saying about me. Do people like me? And like, I worry too much as it is. Um, and then 
throughout college, I would find people where it's like, you think everything's good and you think everything's fine. And then like, you have other people come to you and then they're like, oh, well, they said this. And I'm like, well, I didn't know she felt that way, you know? So it, it could be a totally different perspective from one person to the other. And like, if you don't communicate that directly, it could just be like a messy situation. Yeah. Do you think from being bullied that that has impacted like the people that you've chosen to be with? I'm, I know that now you have some right. good friendships, but yeah, that can definitely impact who you end up yeah. with in your life. Oh, a hundred percent. And I definitely gravitated towards more toxic people in college. I, I think mostly just because I just wanted friends to be honest. Like I didn't really have many friends in high school, middle school. I was never really like popular or anything like that. So I kind of just wanted a friend. Yeah. And I feel like it was really whoever was like willing to be that friend. Mm. It's like, okay. So I was, I was always aware that they had toxic traits. It's not like I was oblivious to them. I think, um, I just wanted the friendship more, you know? Yeah. You know, you just hit such a very impactful that the statement that you just made uh, should be illuminated for all young people, all young women, uh, because the some of the key points that you just brought out is about, you know, your willingness to abandon yourself or betray yourself in order to just be liked or loved, you know, and yep, also absolutely. the other thing is the worrying about what other people think is one, uh, it's a plague among really among women it's a very big big issue and i think men as well so like when you say that you saw the warning signs so this is the thing you saw the toxicity and you went because you needed to be connected you needed the the close and i saw how they treated other people so i like i knew that if they treat other people like that i'm i'm no different like they could treat and they treated so-called friends that way yeah so I'm like I knew and I like to consider myself a smart girl so I wasn't oblivious to that fact I was I just kind of went in and I was like yeah I'd rather just have a friend than have nobody at all yeah isn't that interesting you know that right there can also translate and we're going to talk about it in a little bit it can translate into relationships like you know with um you know romantic relationships it's a very very common thing So if you think about, look at how you were coming up, right? You were bullied. So how did you feel about yourself when you were a little girl from zero to seven, zero to 10? What was your sense of worth? Zero to seven, zero to 10 was good because I had a good childhood. I always did struggle socially, but I feel like it didn't really hit because when you're younger and like as an elementary teacher, I can kind of like attest to this fact that when you're younger, younger, like you kind of almost get along with everyone a lot more, you know, easy, I guess easier. So like, if you didn't necessarily have a lot of friends, you still always got invited to all the birthday parties, you still always everybody got a Valentine's card. So it's not really until you hit like fifth grade, middle school that the clicks really start to form. So I've and I had a very solid support system at home and with my family. So I feel like I didn't really notice the social aspect as much when I was zero to seven, zero to 10. Okay. This is very, very common. It's a common issue. So what I want to say about it is that um, I'm not sure if you know this, but from zero to seven, your brain wave is in a theta wave. And what that means is it's in a hypnotic state, meaning it's a very suggestible state. So during that period of time in your life, you're being programmed. So, and it's, you're supposed to be programmed because we need to learn all the different things that we need to learn in our life. We don't know anything when we're born. We need to learn to do everything. We might've even discussed this at some other time, but basically, so what happens is there's a grant, there's a, a framework developed and an unconscious belief system that's developed between zero to seven years old. That's, you know, laid there. So you learned between zero to seven, some things, and you were describing as soon as I hear somebody say I have a good childhood, I always, I always ask because good can mean a million different things. Good Mm -hmm. to me could mean mom stays home and cooks, makes you brownies after whatever, or to someone else, it could mean my mother was a badass, whatever she worked in the city. I don't know. But to you, when you say that you had a good childhood, I want to ask you, 
Mm-hmm. What was your relationship? What did you learn by being in your family of origin? What did you learn about the way people interact with one another? What did you learn about the way men and women mm-hmm. treat one another and interact with one another? What did you learn? Well, I always joke that I was probably too sheltered and too loved as a kid because okay. um, I'm an only child and, and I'm also the only granddaughter on okay. my dad's side. So not only did I have my mom and dad, but I had my nanny and poppy, like always showing me the constant love, the constant affection. And like my parents had a great relationship, but talking about them like as separate people, they were both very loving, very supportive, like almost too much where it's like not realistic in the adult world because that's just not how the adult world works. Like you're not going to be as spoiled and doted upon when you're the only child, you know, the only girl, the only baby. So I feel like I was raised to be like very showered with affection very very loved I was never spoiled I was raised with like I mean I got material things I got probably more than other kids because they didn't have to spend money on multiple children but I was always raised with manners and like if you're if you're gonna act like a brat you're gonna get it taken away so it it wasn't really like like a spoiled type of childhood and like a bratty type of thing it was more just I was kind of sheltered from the outside world because I was just in my own little bubble of like mom and dad love me and like I have all everything I need right here you know so it's like I didn't want to go away to college I struggled making friends especially my own age like I was always very good with adults when I was younger because I was always around like my mom and my dad and my family but I didn't even really have cousins that I hung out with my cousins are older than me um and my other cousins were were not around when I was younger were you lonely Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. What did you witness when you were just in your life, in your home? What did you witness in regard to the way adults interacted with one another? Because you knew how people were interacting with you. But like, how you know, were what what was it? What was it like with them? What did you learn from the way they interacted? I feel like, I mean, I feel like I don't remember a lot of it. But it always seemed very healthy. Like I always felt like I had an easier time communicating with adults or people that were older than me than people my own age. Cause I, I guess I just saw adults interact and like, it was always easy conversations, easy interactions. There were never like a fights. I mean, of course parents have little tiffs here and there, but it was like my parents hardly ever fought or there was very little aggression in conversations. They were all very normal pleasant conversations from from what I saw and of course parents always if they're not those are conversations they tried to hide from their children yeah well what's interesting is that I noticed that when I asked that question that your response was like were they nice or not nice were they and really what I'm asking is what did you learn so that could be that could be anything like oh I learned that men and women don't fight I learned that Men and women, I heard you say, you know, married married people have tips. They have fights every now and then. These are things you learned because yeah. you're telling me them. So I'm going yep. a little bit deeper. Like, so, yep. you know, what did you learn about people talking about other people? Now, the reason I asked that question is because what you brought up about your childhood. So, you know, you yep. may not have ever heard that, but did you ever hear like, I don't know, your grandmother talking about a neighbor or I'm just curious. Did you ever see anything like that? Not very often. Not okay. very often. Yeah. What do you mean not very often? Did you ever hear it? I'm um, just curious. I mean, yeah. Um, I think <laughs> everybody has the tendency to talk about people every once in a while. Okay. So, but I, I don't really remember. Nothing sticks out in my memory of like anybody like talking about really anybody else. Okay. What yeah. Feel, what did you feel about yourself in your family? What did you feel about your value and your worth? Um, def- I mean, in my immediate family, definitely just like, I was like, daddy's little princess. And I was like, I was the whole world and like, even like my grandparents and everything. And like, my aunt is very loving, always has been. So I feel like I was very loved in my family. I felt like I was important 
like part of that group. So then same thing, like when I go out into the real world, I'm like, how come everybody else doesn't love me this much? <laughs> That's a very good point. It's yeah. a very good point, you yeah. know, and it's, you know, the, that, and, and I, when I first met you, when we first spoke, one of the things I noticed about you, you know, your willingness to come on and your willingness to talk showed me that there's some foundational thing inside of you. Even if you're having struggles with other people, there's something inside of you where you value yourself because you oh. know, you're not like afraid to get on here and have a conversation. Which, no. Yeah. You know, and I also think that it's, it's normal, like whether people can identify specifically with what I'm saying or not, or like whether it's another issue that they're going through, like everybody has something. So yes. I, I feel like me talking about my issues, that's why like, I'm all very open with my anxiety and depression and all those things, because they're real people have them. It doesn't make me any less of a person. It just makes me a person. And I feel like everybody likes to sweep it under the rug. And I, I personally just think that that's not helpful. I'm like, I'm more of, I'm more of the person who it's like, let's talk about it. Let's not pretend it's not there because it is there. So let's talk about it. Let's address it. And then maybe we can make everybody else feel more comfortable because it's easy to get stuck in that mindset of this only happens to me. Why is this only happening to me? Why am I so different? When in reality, like you're not, it's just, nobody talks about it. Yeah. And I love that you're able to do that, especially, you know, cause that could be something that could happen to an only child. Like, Oh, is this just me? I'm looking yeah. out at the rest of the world. How come, yeah. how come no one else is experiencing this? Let me ask you about your bully being bullied. How were you bullied? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I never found really a solid friend group. And um, it was more just for little things. I think it was because I didn't fit into a specific group. So it's, like any oddity of me or anything that was different, especially in middle school, like anything that's different is basically bad, like an automatic no, no, like conforming is the number one thing. So for me, like I got bullied. The first memory of me being bullied was like, I got bullied in middle school because I didn't want to wear jeans because they were uncomfortable. So I would always wear sweatpants. And they're like, why are you, why don't you wear jeans? And I'm like, cause it's seven 30 in the morning and I'm 12. Like, who am I trying to impress? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why do I care? And then like in high school, all the girls are like, oh my gosh, like leggings. I, uh, I hate jeans. Leggings are so much better when leggings became a thing. And I was like, you bullied me for doing the same thing five years ago. But like, here we are. Would they make fun of you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you think that affected you? It just made me always question like what I'm doing and like the words I'm saying. Cause even like if I said something in, in class or whatever, like the group of girls behind me would laugh and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, like, did you just hear what she said? So like, I, I always think I'm like, um, are they like, when I say something, I'm like, Oh, I sounded so stupid. Like, why'd you say that? You sound like an idiot. Like, Oh my God, they think you're so weird, Michelle. Like, why are you like, just be normal. Like I always just like judge myself. Like after I have a conversation, especially like if I first meet someone, I'm like, why'd you say that? Why'd you do that? Like, they're going to think you're weird now. Like, I'm always just like in my head, like worrying about how they'll perceive anything I'm saying, doing, wearing, anything. You know, I'll tell you something right there. That is right. What you just discussed, that is such a big issue that people have. And, and the fact that you're bringing it out, so many people are second guessing themselves. And, you know, people will, after, after even a therapy session, people will leave and be like, wow, I shouldn't have said that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, because shame kicks in. Yeah. You know, and children are wet cement. So when you hear something in childhood, you would be surprised how long you can still believe things about yourself. If somebody says something about your nose or about your thighs, I remember somebody when I was mm -hmm. 10 years old said that, oh, you have fat thighs or something. Do you know that I felt like I had fat thighs for like my the entirety oh, of, of my life? Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's, that's a very important thing to remember is that as we're programmed in our younger years, when our, our thoughts are on an electrical, their electrical impulses on a loop. Yeah. So what will happen is anything that resonates with that, that thought or that experience will initiate those thoughts again. And it's really, and basically the, the way to, the way to change it is literally to pivot away from those thoughts, almost like it's a drug 
you will go through withdrawal, not thinking those thoughts, yeah. right? Yeah. You think about how, how do you think being bullied has impacted your life? Like, what has it done in your relationships? Because it 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 kind of paved the way for you to choose your college friendships too. If you think about it, yeah, I feel like it was more just like my self esteem, and like you always like you that like that saying you accept the love you think you deserve mm -hmm. so it's it's like um i i didn't have friends i didn't have a baseline of like how i should be treated in a friendship or so i i feel like i didn't have much self-esteem much self-confidence when it came to any social interactions even literally until college like college was really my first time that people actually like started treating me like a person because it wasn't the same click that I was with since I was five years old of elementary school, middle school, high school. It was just a, a fresh start. And people actually were talking to me and I changed so much in college. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is how people interact. So I, I kind of went into college with like a totally clean slate of, of just kind of experiencing what it's like to like form friendships for the first time. Yeah. But, and it's interesting when you formed some of those friendships, they, some of them were toxic, right? They were yeah. like, yeah. But you know, what's interesting. Think about it this way. If you think about what paved your way and what you learned about yourself, this is what I try to get people to see is that when you look at your life right now, any one of us, we yeah. look at ourselves uh, relationally, socially, financially, mm -hmm. spiritually, emotionally, Right now, you take a snapshot today. Yep. That is a mirror that mirrors back to us what we've been thinking, feeling, and believing up until yep. now. So yep. does that make sense to you? Yeah. And I mean, it's gotten a lot worse. I mean, I'm getting better now, but I went through, I'd say after my breakup, my first, my like with my first serious boyfriend was when everything kind of started going wrong for me. And that's like, how long ago was that? Two and a half years ago, three years ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't even have, I always had anxiety, but I never had depression until we broke up. Um, and I thought I was going to marry him. I thought he was the love of my life, future father of my children, everything. And I didn't know anything was wrong until he said the words, we need a break. And I was like, what? Like totally got blindsided, life flipped upside down and it just ended out of nowhere. And he was my whole life. We were together for three years and that was my first love, my first real relationship. So I invested all of my happiness in him. It was one of those relationships where it's like, oh, like if I don't have you, I'm going to die. And yeah. like after, after that, after having that relationship, I'm like, okay, well I can't be like that in a relationship again, because if it ends, I literally won't survive. Like I wanted to actively kill myself once that relationship ended because I was like, I don't know how to live a life that you're not in, you know? And like, I, I don't, I'm never going to be happy again because you're not in my life. Yeah. So I've struggled a lot with that healing process. And then also struggling to find love and not finding it. And like, I, I always, it's very easy to go back to that headspace of when you first were in that breakup of like, Oh, I just, well, one, I wish it worked out with him because this was the only relationship that I ever had that was good. So it's like, why did that get messed up? And then like, what's my, what's the issue with me? Cause clearly nobody wants to be with me. So like, why am I the problem? Like, and then it's always like, why do I attract people who treat me like this? And it's just like a constant spin and cycle of emotions. So is that happening in your life now? Those thoughts, do they still recur? less frequently yeah. than they used to. They used to be way worse. Yeah. But yeah. Yep. So let me so let me ask you about so this this guy that you were with for for 3 years, right? Could you describe that relationship to me? Describe who kind of what he was like? Are you okay with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let me hear about it. it I'm going to write at some least, down. At mm -hmm. least from my perspective and like I mean like everybody around us, it was literally a perfect relationship like everyone thought we were endgame everyone thought we were getting married what made them think that we were attached to the hip all the time like seeing each other 24 7 talking to each other 24 7 we've very rarely argued um we were very 
affection, a lot of words of affirmation, like constantly like telling each other, I love you. Like my sappy Instagram post about how much I love yeah. him. And like, um, social media can lead to a lot. So like the after, if you were following me on Instagram and you saw that we broke up, you would have been like, um, excuse me, that's all you've been posting about for the last three years. Like you guys in Disney being in like the prime of your life, like being yeah. so in love. Yeah. Like I, after seeing that for three years, you wouldn't necessarily think that it was gonna end. Um, we just clicked very, very well. It was very easy to be with each other. It was very natural to see a future with one another. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was, a. I really too, even to this day, cause I was so blindsided by it. And I really just think he got afraid of the commitment so young and he wanted to be single because now he just goes out and gets drunk with his boys every weekend. And I'm like, if that's what you wanted, like go do you. But like, I don't think he was ready for it. I think he kind of just got scared of like being in a serious, serious relationship that young because did he tell you that he told me that later, later on. He, at first he tried to blame his depression as like a way to weasel out. Did and he's he like, well, depre- was he in a depression? Um, I didn't notice it. Although his mom passed away when he was 10 and he never went to therapy for it. So it was definitely a well-known fact that like he should have gone to therapy when he was younger to work, work all these issues out about the death of his mother, because he still was not, that was not fully healed. That I mean, how could it ever be fully healed? But like, that's a big, big thing to, Tremendous. to do. Do you think that was part of the reason that you were attached at the hip? I think so. Cause looking back, I was definitely like half his mom, half his girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, if you look at it, you look at it also that you were also an only child and he had this loss and you know, and you yep. felt loneliness. I'm just curious about that because very often when I hear people describe like a perfect relationship, you know, I always want to know more about it. I want to mm-hmm. know, like, what wasn't perfect? <laughs> the sex life? <laughs> That's okay. Do we want to say that here? I mean, yeah. Really? Why not? Why yes, not? Okay. So if you're comfortable with that, like, what was it about that that was not okay? Without, you know, we don't want to do anything that's going to be harmful to his him or whatever it just was it was never it just wasn't often it was like once every two months three months by the time we started I mean when we were newly a couple it wasn't like that but once we got into our like the honeymoon phase was over we were dating for like over a year whatever okay so there wasn't any like um sexual romantic um intimacy not really no very very rarely there was always I don't want to say not romantic because we were always romantic, like kissing, hand holding, cuddling, the whole thing. Okay. Sexually. But then when we did, it was fine. It was fine. I'm like, no complaints about when it happened. How did you feel about that? I mean, I was so obnoxiously in love with him. I really, to be honest at the time, didn't mind it much mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm so in love and everything's great. Like, but it would in my head, I would kind of just get nervous. Well, like, am I the problem? Like, is he not attracted to me? Like, why doesn't he want to, you know, do that with me? Did you ask him? Yeah. What would he say? Just like he apparently, which this was a very bizarre answer for me, but I I mean, I guess it makes sense. Apparently he read in one of his mom's journals that she kept when she was sick with cancer, that, um, that was painful for her towards the end. Like that was physically painful for her. So apparently he had ingrained because she was so sick. So apparently he had ingrained in his head that he was hurting me, uh, okay. which is sad, uh, which is very sad. Because very like, sad. I, yeah. like, that's what that's because I think he read that at a young age. Like, I think he found her diary, like read it, didn't really know what was yeah. going to be in there. And I think that's like, it stuck yeah. with him. Yeah. yeah. So this is the thing. So what I'm wondering underlying all of the this uh, you know connection and this you know lovey you said obnoxiously in love with him yep okay so do you feel that the two of you had your own identity no okay so given that if i can say this without causing too much damage but <laughs> that would not be a perfect relationship right yeah looking looking back now 
I absolutely love, no, like we were too obsessed with each other. When you say obsessed, do you think that you were dependent on one another for you? Absolutely. And even when we, when we broke up, he said, he's like, I have these problems, um, for like his depression, whatever. Cause I was like, well, I have anxiety. I like, let's work through it together. Like we can, you know, get through it together. And he was like, you are my emotional crutch. Like I lean on you too much. Like I need to know that I could be a man and I can solve my own problems. Yes. Even, even looking back then, I was like, he's not wrong. Like it's not an ideal answer, but he's not wrong. Like you feel like you had a sense of where you ended and he began. Um, I, I think in the terms of like, as a person, yeah, yes, because I'm a very confident person, like in yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. So I think, and we were two very different people. I'm confident he was shy. So I think like as people, that line was there. But I think like when it comes to like each other's happiness, each, that line was never like, if he's not there, or if we're not doing good, I'm not happy. That's a very big part of your identities, right? Isn't yeah. it? So yeah. like if each of your happiness is dependent upon the other's happiness, then mm-hmm. there isn't a separation emotionally, you know, being able to be okay, right? Individually. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't okay. <laughs> that's, yeah. when, that's the problem after when it ended, I was, I was not okay. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, just think about being in a, you know, being in a home, the way you describe your home. And then you describe your relationship. What does that sound like? Um, I mean, it feels like very just in my own little bubble for both of them. Like I was in my own bubble with my, with growing up. I was in my own bubble with him. Like just. Yeah. Did it allow for separation, you know, for you to be good no. without them, without him, him to be good without you? Yeah. Right. And that's what I struggle because now looking back and like learning all of that, I'm like, okay, that's definitely like, I want to change it. So my next relationship, I don't want to be like that. And I find it hard because like now the, the guy that I'm seeing, we, we dated briefly for like two months, but we've been on and off for two years. And the only reason that we're off is because we have two very different ideas of what it is to be in a relationship. So like I have needs in a relationship that's not being met and he's, he's not meeting them, not because he doesn't care, but because that's just not how he views a relationship. And that's when I go back and forth of like, well, this could be good for me because it is more independent. Like he's never, like, he's not on his phone 24 seven. He's quite busy with work. And like, I don't get to talk to him all day, every day. He's, he's not very romantic words of affirmation when when we're together we are but like over text he's not like i miss you i love you like i want i want cuddles you know like he's he's not like that and like he'll go two days like without even contacting me and that's mm-hmm. in my head i'm like that's because you don't care so if you're not talking to me for two days you're not even thinking about me like why do you how can you care about me and not talk to me for two days mm-hmm. but that's just who he is he doesn't talk he doesn't communicate on his phone and he always says he's like well just because I don't text you doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you and I'm like yes it does like <laughs> he's like we're that's why we always go in this cycle of like we want to be with each other but like let I me ask you a question I want to ask you a question I'm going to interrupt you I want to ask yeah. you a question when you're having a conversation with him about what he cares about what he doesn't care about mm-hmm. what who he is or what he is do you ask him do you ask him do you say hey you know, when, you know, when you're not very often, a woman will define what a man is doing in their own mind. Mm-hmm. And then they will accuse them of that. Yeah. When you are not with me that and you're not contacting me, that means you don't care. Mm-hmm. But now really what the woman is doing is she's asking him if he cares. Mm-hmm. She's but she's telling him that he doesn't because mm-hmm. she wants him to correct her perception because her perception is hurting her right would you say that that's what's happening for the last two years yeah yeah a million conversations about just that yep (laughs) okay so basically the question more are you willing now don't be quick to answer this Mm -hmm. i want you to really stop and think yeah do you want to know what he really feels about you 
Don't answer right away. Oof. Think about it. At at this point, after all of our ups and downs, I'd say yes. Were you willing to really hear his answers before? Um, I think I was always willing, but he also has like communicating is hard for him. So like he told me he loved me and then took it back two days later. He's like, how no, did I don't. he do that? What did he say? <laughs> he literally told me we were hanging out in person one day and he told me he loved me. And I was like, Oh, finally, like, was that really, was that your answer? Finally? Did, you say that? <laughs> did I say finally? I probably did honestly, but I was like, wow, I can't believe you said it. And I was just like, cause you don't say like, you don't communicate these things. So I was just very happy. And I was like, yeah, awesome. Like, and then two days later, he was like, I have love for you, but I'm not in love with you. And I was like, okay, cool. What did that feel like? Oh, it was terrible. It's like having your heart ripped out of your chest. You can't do that to someone. Like, that's terrible. Um, so he felt awful, obviously. And then, like, we reconnected, I don't know, however many months later. What made you do that? What made you reconnect with him? Oh, because I always reach out. And he's the only one, and it's so annoying because normally... I'm a very definitive person with, with men. And I'm like this, you do X, Y, and Z. Like, these are my red flags. These are my, you know, whatever they're, um, I'm like blanking on the term. Um, you this know, like what you'll, what you will live with and what you want. Yeah, your exactly. Yes. Yes. Like that. Mm -hmm. So I, and normally I have like a very good gut instinct of like, this is going to work. This is not going to work. I shouldn't say that because it has not gotten very well so far. So maybe I don't. I think I do. I think I have a good sense of it, but maybe I don't because I'm still single. So maybe I don't. But um, I like to think that I'm at least like clear in my answers that I have. And with him, I'm very wishy-washy and I'm very like, oh, well, I still want to hang out with him. I still like him. Like, because when we're in person, everything's perfect. What does perfect mean? Um... I feel comfortable around him. He has seen me at my worst, like emotionally. Like I know I am, I'm fairly high maintenance to deal with, with all of my, my mental health, my physical health. Um, it's, it's a lot to deal with in a relationship for somebody who's always sick. I have stomach problems. So I'm either always throwing up or I'm always crying or I'm always having a panic attack. Like it's a lot. Okay, wait a second. These are none of the things that you have told me. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's just stop for a minute. Okay, okay, so you're describing having all of these things happening and you perceive yourself as a person who is a lot to be in a relationship with. Yep. You see yourself as a person, when I hear that, I could translate that, doesn't mean I'm right, but do you see yourself as a burden? Um. Not necessarily because I know like I'm a good girlfriend and I'm a very good person. Well, in regard to that, being upset, being... Um, sometimes I think not for the right person, I, I wouldn't be. But I, I think it does take a certain level of patience and understanding um, to, to try to understand when somebody is in pain, especially mentally, like if, if you don't understand, it's hard to understand depression, anxiety, if you don't have it yourself or have seen it firsthand. Let me ask you a question. What do you think drives your depression? What do you know about your depression? Probably loneliness because okay. that it, it was triggered from the breakup and I get depressed when things are not going well with the guy that I'm seeing, which really, okay. really pisses me off because I hate that my happiness is so affected by men. Men should oh. not have control over shit. Like, okay. I, I hate it. I we hate have it. just hit the jackpot. Yep. <laughs> okay. So listen, let's just stop for a minute and think about what you just said. Okay. The pain of loneliness is tremendous because loneliness is more when you, when you, um, very often when I ask somebody about depression and I ask them to really define how they would describe it, some people do say they, they feel it as like this incredible sense of loneliness, right? There's some yeah. people who say that. So, Definitely. yeah. So the thing about this is that if we were to stop and forget about 
your external experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would, I'm, I'm coming, I'm jumping off a cliff right now with you. Okay. okay. And I have a tendency to think that I know what I'm talking about in regard to this. But okay. when we look at your boyfriend, your previous boyfriend, that was the trigger of your depression. Yeah. Um, what I'm hearing in the way that the two of you were interacting, it seems in a lot of ways, he was the solution to something that was already there. Pro- probably. Probably. Yeah, it didn't so, seem like it at the time, but yeah, probably. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, we don't, all of us don't know a lot of what's going on, you know, around us until we, yeah. you know, explore it. So if you think about, because I'm listening to the things that you were saying throughout your life. And if you were to say, notice, what is a, one of the things I ask people is, what is the emotion that you would say you have felt the most in your childhood? Yeah. Lo- loneliness is definitely a big one. Okay. Or like being different, isolation, okay. not, loneliness. not being accepted, you know, like, so yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm craving attention and I'm craving acceptance. Okay. There we go. So I'm writing this down. Loneliness, you know, craving, you know, like approval, acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Think about yeah. it. Why, you know why I, I'm asking you all of these questions that I'm asking you? You know, it may feel like a lot because we're just, I'm, we're like going down a pathway. No, I love it. Let's go down the path. The path so needs this to be path taken. right here. No, this is a very important path. Yeah. This, this can change your life, Michelle, if you allow it to. Yeah. That's because why I'm, so, I'm going to tell you so what ready. human beings do. When I have a, th- when I have a client, I ask them to, I, I do a relationship history, a survey, basically an inventory on every relationship they've had in their life. And then I look for common denominators and what, how they felt. Yeah. So the thing is, is that your description of things, you know, is the antithesis of loneliness Yeah. with that man. But to me, all I heard was loneliness. When you mm-hmm. describe that perfect relationship, all I could hear was loneliness. It was screaming yeah. at me. Yeah. From both of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a solution to loneliness. And basically we do that in relationships. Very often we join other people in our brokenness because mm-hmm. it's a solution to brokenness that will never resolve our brokenness ever. So now we speed up now here, this situation. Now, if I ask you, okay, what was your primary feeling in your childhood? Loneliness. Um, when you're describing this need to be accepted, which is a good need, but mm-hmm. it becomes distorted when we just feel so not accepted, right? Yeah, like it's good because it makes me have standards and I do know what I deserve and I'm not going to like settle for less, I guess, quote unquote. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm I'm challenging you. Do you know what you deserve? I do, but I don't always necessarily care <laughs> like like so I, I will be aware though if i'm getting less i'm gonna be hard on you yeah are you do ready it. for it are you, do it. you okay with it do it i don't think you know what you deserve i think you know what you're supposed to know mm-hmm. i think you know what you're supposed to feel and mm-hmm. what would be best for you but mm-hmm. your experience is showing your interactions is showing what you believe about yourself mm-hmm. because our relationships show us. Yeah. They show us how yeah. we value ourselves, yeah. which is very, I mean, if we're basing how I value myself off of my past relationships that I don't value myself at all, it's, then that, that alone would be. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's wrong. okay. This is not, this is not about, you know, tearing you apart. It's about, because no, I'm going to tell you the honest truth that anybody who's going to get anywhere in their life Nothing changes until it becomes what it is. Yeah. To me, I feel like right now, you know what we're doing? We're disrupting a pattern in your life that honestly, harsh as it may sound, it won't change unless you see this. Yeah. And that's, that's been my problem. Like I know that there's a pattern and I'm, I'm self-aware enough of the fact that I know what's going on, but like, I don't know how to get out of it. Okay, I'm going to tell you something about how to get out of it. First of all, the number one thing is, is that you have to 
I'm, let me change my language. You don't have to do anything. It would behoove you to <laughs> um, not look at what that gentleman is doing, not doing what he's capable of, what he's not capable of. This is who he is. This is what his perception is. I don't give a rat's ass. Mm-hmm. You want to know the truth? Well, all that matters right now. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't matter. And it doesn't mean that maybe you don't end up with him. I don't know if you will or not. But what really matters is who am I, Michelle? Yeah. Who who do I want to be? Yeah. And that's been my problem. How do I want to be loved? Now, if you're wanting to be loved, loved is to resolve something that hurts so much that hurt needs to be resolved yeah internally because an external solution will never resolve it so the thing is is that a man or will never i i don't want to say never it's too absolute a man who feels that he is your solution Mm -hmm. will run a million miles away yeah. Unless he needs to be your solution as his solution. Does that yeah. make sense? That makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. So now this dude right here. Okay. How many times have you returned to him not knowing how he felt about you? Too many. Too many. How many is too well, I- many? 10? Five? probably closer to 10. I'd say solid seven. Go right in the middle. (laughs) Cut it right in half. (laughs) Solid seven. (laughs) All right. So solid seven returning to a person who you're not sure of how they feel about you. I mean, now he's at the point where whenever we hang out, he does say, I love you. And he hasn't taken it back yet. It's been a few weeks and he hasn't taken it back. Does him saying I love you, do you believe that he loves you? Do you feel loved? In person, yes. That's my, I just don't know. See, I know he loves me because he has shown me that. And I know. How? How does he show you love? What does he show um, you? He's just very different with, with me than with everyone else. Like he is way more open with me. He does. The fact that he talks to me more than he talks to everybody else is like frightening because I don't know how people aren't like sending out like Amber alerts for like a missing person because like he ne- he must never talk to them. But like he literally like he does talk to me more than he talks to other people. And even though it's not a lot. What do you mean by talk more. to you? What do you mean by talk Like to? communicating, like texting, calling, like. You mean he interacts with you? You're not talking about having yeah. like deep conversations. You're saying, um, like, hey, how are you? What's going Will, on? He's more authentically himself. So yes, like throughout the conversations we have, yes, he is more openly himself than he is with other people. Like I feel like we're both genuinely just 100% our, our like authentic selves around each other. Like there's no judgment. There's no, like we're very comfortable with each other. You feel good about yourself with him? When I'm with him, yes. Do you feel so? That's interesting. Let's just stop there for a moment and think about that. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons for those kinds of things, right? So, have you ever heard of, um, you know, in the stage when a child um, has, um, they develop something called object permanence? Have you ever heard of that? I, I think in a college, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like psych or whatever, child 101. Basically, what that is, is, is that, you know, so, for example, when a baby, when they're about eight months old, also, when when a mom leaves the room, and they have separation anxiety, it is because they don't know that their mother even exists anymore. So that's like my cat. Yeah. So basically, I want you to it's there's some relationship, I'm not saying fully, but there's some relationship to having no sense of, you know, think about a child also does not understand their, their separation from their mother as a human that in their own identity. So now that's why peekaboo is such a powerful experience for a child. Cause here okay. it is, here it's not, here yes. it is, here yes. it's not. Yes. It teaches them the permanence of an object. Okay. So now when you're not with him, do you trust that he loves you? That see. I go back and forth because I trust. If you go back and forth, then you don't trust that he loves you. I just, the only reason I don't trust that he loves me is just because of, I feel 
there's lack of effort there. Like because of the not, because of how I am used to relationships being with the constant communication and stuff. It's not like when he's not talking to me all day because he's at work, I think he stops caring about me. Like I, like he didn't talk to me literally for like two days the other day. And throughout all that time, it wasn't, oh, well, he stopped caring about me. He stopped loving me. He doesn't really love. It wasn't that. It was just more frustration of why are you not showing me? Like, I know that you do, but why aren't you showing me? So let me ask you something. What is it about this relationship that you want? Uh, we, I mean, we both want it to work. And what does that mean? Like, what, what is it that you want to work? We are in a constant cycle right now of me always being disappointed because he's not doing X, Y, and Z. Take note of that. Take note. Mm-hmm. Take note. Yeah. We are constantly in a cycle or a pattern yeah. of me yeah. being disappointed because he's not doing X, Y, or Z, right? So yeah. put that on the shelf. Don't forget that. Yeah. Okay. Let's, what, what else? So that means he's in a pattern. Then mm-hmm. he's in a pattern of what? Of trying to fix it and always feeling like shit about himself when I get disappointed again. How does he, how, so does that, does that serve you for him to be trying to fix something that, um, in order to prove to you that you matter? It's just like, we tried it for two months and it didn't work. That's why. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Just think about what I just said. Is there something in him feeling Mm -hmm. disappointed Mm-hmm. not disappointed i'm sorry in feeling that he's going to try harder mm-hmm. to show you that he cares is there some value for you in that like when he says he tries you mean or him being like sad about that he's not doing when he does try does he try to show you that he or that he feels like shit that he didn't do what he needed to do to show you that he cares um what does that do? What does that feel like for you? I mean, obviously, it may, I don't want him to feel upset, and it makes me upset when he feels like garbage about himself. Okay, let's but- stop right there. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Let's just stop. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when I do that with you? When I make you stop and I, the, I hold on that, that thing that you just said. I feel like garbage when he feels like garbage. Mm-hmm. But you guys are repeating it. So there's, a, yeah. there's something called secondary gains. Do you know what they are? Mm-mm. Okay. So let me ask you a question. How does it feel when I'm doing this with you? Do you feel like you want to kill me? Do you feel defensive? Uh, like what happens? Be honest. Um, No, because you're a qualified therapist. No, because I know that you're doing it because you have a reason. If you were just a random person, yeah, I'd want to kill you. Would you, you want to like <laughs> kill me? Because does, do you see what's happening? What I'm actually doing is I'm challenging this relationship. It doesn't mean that the relationship, it couldn't be a good relationship. But I'm asking you to really stop and look at it in a real, real honest way. I would ask myself to do it too, because every single one of us, you're in an experience in a relationship that you're not happy in. We have to be real about it. You may want him, but you're not happy in this pattern that you're describing to me. So I'm asking you to stop. And instead of keep going and discussing a pattern I'm asking, I'm saying, stand right here on the pattern where he feels like shit. You feel like shit. Yeah. We both wanted to stop. We both hate okay. it. But, but I want to tell you something about human beings and it includes me, every single mm-hmm. one of us. We have so many patterns in our lives that we want to stop and we don't stop them. Yes. So there's something about that pattern that we mm-hmm. need to do. Yes. Okay. So we're doing it and we get, there's a, few reasons. One is possibly because we're automated, because we're also trying to resolve something that we don't know is there. So there's something about, I have had situations in my life when I was much, much younger, where it felt good to me if someone was chasing me and felt guilty because this way I knew I mattered. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. So do you know, you want to, there's also like, I can tell you like a million different things that happen to young women. So an example could be like, you know, like a father left a mother, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, a, a kid or whatever. And then like, you know, that happened with me. So I'm just using that as an example. So then there's this feeling always inside, like, oh, I have to make sure they don't leave me. You know, they have to make sure, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like this, 
and you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. So what one of the questions I ask is that what are the secondary gains? What are you getting from feeling watching from feeling disappointed? So mm-hmm. everybody would say, I, I get nothing from feeling disappointed. Yes, you do. You get you get you get to feel that feeling. You yeah. get to feel that feeling over and over again. And all feelings want are to be felt. Yeah. So how come we have to feel disappointment over and over again? Then the guy feels bad about himself over and over again. Yep. Then he's got to explain himself. And then you feel like shit because you feel guilty that you, they, blah, 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 yep. you needed this and he couldn't give it to you. And then you don't know yep. what's right or wrong. Now you've got a whole pattern going on. That's not ending. Yep. And then he tries for two days and he's really good. And then I feel amazing because I'm like, oh my gosh, he's actually trying. He's putting extra effort. Like he's really trying, really trying because he knows I was just upset. And then it goes back to normal like three days later. And then it's the whole cycle all over again. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. I just want to say to you that we are all together a part of the mission, Mission Awake, a mission that's going to stop the mediocrity that's plaguing all of us. So if you got something here today, I ask that you would be a part of this mission and you'd share it with whoever you can. Take a screenshot of the show and share it on your Instagram. If you are looking for me, you can find me on social media platform, Instagram, Allison Answers or Logger Counseling Services. And give us a a review and subscribe, if you could, to YouTube, Allison Answers. That's where you're going to get a lot of content. I drop stuff every day, goofy stuff, all different kinds of stuff, five-minute videos that just get you moving in your day. Have a great week. See you next time.